more, more, more. That's the cry of greed. There is never enough. When that greedy person says more in 2024, they mean getting more, having more, keeping more. It's all about. <laughs> oh, there we go. Okay, these things work first service. There you go. Yeah. It's all about more. Greed is this incessant drive, like, I never have enough. I just need a little more, a little more, a little more. And over the next couple weeks, as we head to Resurrection Sunday, we're doing a series called Give It Up. Say that with me. Give It Up. And we're going to look at the seven deadly sins and, and how... They can get a hold on us, but we're going to give you some biblical principles so that when you start to detect those, you know exactly what to do. Let me start our first of all, some words from scripture. We read in Ecclesiastes chapter five, these words of Solomon. And here's what it says. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. Now, this is not a sermon for rich people. I know people in poverty who are as greedy as some people who are rich. It's whether you're poor or rich or somewhere in the middle, this is a message that each one of us need to hear because our culture, every commercial, every advertisement is trying to get to that greedy part of it. says, I have to have that. I have to have more. Man. Does anybody else get lots of Instagram advertisements? They must know my age, because a lot of the advertisements have to do with aging. But they're trying to get us to take more, believe for more, grab more. And while God wants to bless us, there's an important message we need to receive when it comes to that understanding of greed. And here's what greed is. Greed is a selfish, an excessive desire for more than is needed. I just have to have a little more, a little more. If I just had more, if I just had more. Now, if Jesus were here today and responding to Gordon Gecko in the movie clip or Mr. Krabs, I know some of you know him really well. Here's what Jesus would say in Luke chapter 12. He'd say, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Because life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Today, we're going to let the Lord speak to us. And you might be thinking, oh, that's not me. I can barely get by week to week. It doesn't matter how much you have or how little you have. It's entirely possible that greed can well up in each one of us. I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we go to the Lord. And Lord, I just pray that you'd give us ears to hear what you have to say today. You love us so much. You were the opposite of greedy. You were so generous in the way you lived and gave of your life. And I just pray that today you would open up our hearts, our ears, our minds, that as we try to figure out what is greed and does it affect us, that you would help us by your spirit to hear the word of the Lord and to be strengthened, and to be encouraged, and to come away with strategies to defeat that in our own lives. Lord, help us not to be Pharisees, 
that in this moment think of all the other people who need to hear it, but let us hear it. Because you're a loving and generous God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen and amen. Let's give God praise. Stay standing, stay standing. We're going to read... The we're going to look at the word of the Lord from Luke chapter 12. And it's a story about a time when Jesus was in front of a crowd of thousands. And here's what the passage says. Someone out of the crowd said, teacher, order my brother to give me a fair share of the family inheritance. Let me stop there. How many have ever been in a nice, happy family? Everybody gets along and then all of a sudden an inheritance falls on the table. And everything changes. Wham! Well, that's what this guy was facing. And Jesus replied, Mr., what makes you think it's any of my business to be a judge or mediator for you? Speaking to the people, Jesus went on. And here's our key verse today. Take care. Protect yourself against the least bit of greed. Because life is not defined by what you have. Even when you have a lot. Then Jesus went on and told him this story. The farm of a certain rich man provided a terrific crop. He talked to himself, what can I do? My barn isn't big enough for this harvest. And he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and I will build bigger ones. Then I will gather in all my grain and goods and I say to myself, self, you've done well. You've got it made and can now retire. Take it easy. Have the time of your life. And just then, God showed up and said, Fool, tonight you die. And you're barn full of goods. Who gets it? That's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not with God. Say this after me. Be on your guard, on your guard. against all kinds, of greed. All, kinds of greed. all kinds of greed. One more time. Be on your guard, on your guard. Against, all against all kinds of greed. Good. You said it to me twice. Say it to the person next to you as you're being seated. One time there was a math teacher who was in math with her fourth grade students and she had a word problem for them and she said students there's a man who has 10 million dollars and he dies and he leaves the inheritance to his family the daughter got one fifth the son got one fifth his brother got one sixth and the wife got the rest how much did they each get? And right away, this kid's hand went up. And they're like, the teacher's like, how did you know that so fast? What, 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 what did the one-fifth, one-fifth, one-sixth and the rest mean? And she says, what did they all get? And he said, they all got a lawyer. <laughs> That's what happens in this story. That's what happens when greed shows up. Now, why does God call this guy a fool? Why does he say, you fool? It's not like he did anything illegal to get money. It's not like he treated his employees badly. 
It's not like he violated any codes or laws. Jesus doesn't get on for any of that. But he calls him a fool because this young man does not recognize the source of where all this come from. All these times, I will build, I will expand, I did this, I will do that. It's my barns and my crops and my, 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 my. He didn't recognize the source of where it comes from. Now you would think out of all the professions in the world, a farmer would get that more than anybody else. I mean, if you don't have good sunshine, no crops. If you don't have good, just the right amount of rain, no crops. If you don't prevent pests, no crops. This guy has to defend on God for everything. And yet somehow he thought, I earned this. I deserve this. I have this. I can do it all I want. Watch out. Because we can think, I deserve this. I earned this. I work for this. I got this job. I'm the one who goes to work every morning. I did this. I can do what I want. Watch out. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, we read these words. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to create wealth. You see, this farmer was a fool for two reasons. He didn't recognize the source of everything he had, and his focus was on temporary, short term, now. And Jesus says, tonight you're passing away. Who's gonna get it then? There's a different focus between temporary and eternal. In fact, every one of us ought to have two portfolios. You can have a portfolio here on earth, your retirement or whatever you're putting aside and saving, but there's also an eternal 401k we need to invest in. Because one day we'll show up there and we're like, I didn't know I could have invested here. But today I'm gonna help us figure out how to do that. Because not only is God our source, he wants to draw our attention to an internal understanding of why money comes into our hands, why opportunities come into our hands, why we receive the gifts that we do. In Matthew chapter six, Jesus puts it this way in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust or worse, stolen by burglars. Instead, stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars it's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Another translation says this way, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Wherever your treasure, what, wherever your heart is, it will show up by what you do with your treasure. There's something that they always do in every crime investigative show. When there's a crime, when something goes wrong, when they're trying to figure out why this murder or this theft happened, they always say this line, follow the money. Follow the money. Trace the money and you can see who did it. Well, what if somehow today I could magically 
point one of these guns at you and your summary of last month's bank account shows up on the screen. If we followed your money, where would it say your treasure is? If we followed your money, what would it say your heart is? If we followed your money, would the big words greed flash on the screen? You see, Paul puts it this way in Colossians chapter three. He says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And he lists a whole bunch of things and he closes out with this, put to death evil desires and put to death greed, which is idolatry. In fact, this is the American idol. Greed, more, more, more. Jesus puts it this way when he's teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, nobody can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Those are the competing gods of our age. Am I serving God or do I serve money? Now, I'm going to give you some tests today, some insights from the Bible today to help you figure out which one am I serving. Because Jesus says in Luke 16, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? So there's two kinds of wealth. There's worldly wealth and there's true riches. And I need to tell you, when you get a diagnosis from the doctor, I'd rather have true riches. When you're going through a difficult storm, I'd rather have true riches. When you're struggling with answers and like, God, I'm not sure what to do, I would rather have true riches. When you come to the end of your rope, I'd rather have true riches and I don't think I can do all that investing the day before I die because I don't know when that's gonna happen. You see, greed is really a fruit. And what we're gonna do is trace that fruit down to its root and figure out what do we do to deal with that. So the first thing we're gonna look at today is I've got some trees up here on the platform. Shout out to our tech team and everybody who works so hard. The first thing is greed is a fruit. It's a product of something. And when we try to figure out where it comes from, one of the symptoms and the mark of a person who's dominated by the fruit of greed is more. I have to have more, just a little more. I need more. There's got to be more of this. How can I get more? Now, the reality is, if you trace that down to its source, it really comes out of a heart that worries. What if I don't have enough? What if there isn't enough for me? What am I going to do? Worry creates this thirst and hunger for more, which results in greed in our hearts. But notice what Jesus says. He says to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not, what? Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food and body is more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than birds? Consider how the lilies grow. They don't labor or spin. But I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field that's here today and tomorrow's thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, 
oh, you have little faith. And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things. And your Father in heaven knows that you need these. When I have greed, the symptom is I always have to have more, more, more. Wouldn't it be nice if it grew on trees like this? But the reason I have that is because I'm worried. What, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Let me trace that all the way down to its root. The root of greed is me-centered. It's all about me. Just like this fool who said, I did this and I did that. He's basically saying, I'm centered in me and the symptom of more led to greed. Now, I'm about to give you a biblical principle that I believe can radically change your life. It's the principle that will help us deal with greed. It's the principle that's gonna help us through every week of this series to know what to do. It's the principle that will help you whenever you face a difficulty, a mountain, a frustrating person, a conflict. This is a key biblical principle, and I wanna lay it out to you, and here's what it is. Choose the opposite response. Say that to me. Choose the opposite response. Say it to the person next to you. Choose the opposite response. This is how it works. How did sin end up on the earth? It says in Isaiah that Satan fell from heaven and it was rooted in pride. It goes on to tell us in the scripture about the sins of Adam and Eve. What was the root of their sin? The pride of life. In fact, every sin you and I commit, anybody commits, is rooted in pride. Me, my, I, what I want. How do you think God decided to deal with pride? Ah, oh, Jesus humbled himself and came to earth in the form of a human. Jesus humbled himself and washed feet. Jesus humbled himself and went to the cross. The way God defeated pride was by choosing the opposite response, which is humility. That was his secret. That's what his spiritual warfare secret is for us in any era of our life. The opposite of pride is humility. Pride divides us, humility unites us. If you wanna know how to deal with the situation, choose the opposite response. Here's some examples that we have in scripture. Matthew 5 says, we are to bless those who curse us. That's the opposite of what you wanna do. We are to pray for those who use us. Perfect love Cast out all fear. A soft answer turns away wrath. Light overcomes darkness. This is the biblical principle that we all need for anything we face. And it's the opposite of what we want to do. Paul lays it out in even more detail in Romans chapter 12 when he says these words. Bless those who persecute you. Keep on Keep on blessing them and never curse them. Do not pay back anyone evil for evil. In other words, don't respond to the same choice. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. Don't be conquered by evil, but overcome evil with that's the opposite of what we want to do. That's the opposite of what my flesh says. The way you defeat any giant, the way you defeat any issue, any struggle, any principality, any power is you respond in the opposite. You choose the opposite response. 
fact, I love Peter's approach to this in this first epistle. Now, let me give you a context for this verse we're about to read. It's a whole chapter about husbands and wives. And then he says this, but this is for more than husbands and wives. It's for all of us. Here's what it says. Do not repay evil with evil. That's what we tend to do. You insult me, I'll insult you. Or insult with insult. But with? So we're supposed to bless the person who insults us? We're supposed to pray for the person who uses it? That ain't what my flesh wants to do. But we choose the opposite response. Oh, let's keep going. Sorry, I jumped away. Don't repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called so that you would inherit a Here's what it says. You want to stop the sowing and reaping process? I insult you, you insult me. You hit mine, I hit yours. Whatever we do, our flesh tendency is to do the same thing back. But Peter says this. If you choose to respond in the opposite, if you choose the opposite response, you will set in motion a new sowing and weeping process. You'll inherit blessings. It's so hard. But that is the biblical principle that guides us in dealing with any frustration, any circumstance, any struggle we face. We're going to look at that all through the next couple of weeks as we give it up for all kinds of deadly sins. But even when we face a difficulty with our marriage, with a friendship, with our kids, you choose the opposite response. What does a teacher do if the class is really loud? They don't sit down to be quiet. No, they start talking like this. And when they start whispering, everybody gets quiet. You choose the opposite. So let's talk about that when it comes to today's issue. Greed, which is a desire for more, it ends up in comes out of worry, is me-centered. The opposite fruit is generosity. Say that with me. Generosity. The, choosing the opposite response to greed is generosity. To be generous. To recognize that everything I have comes from God. In fact, there's some statements I want to read to you up on the screen. It says this. God gives to each of us so we can increase not our standard of living, but our standard of giving. That's why he gives to us, to increase our standard of giving, because God gives things to us to move them through us to get them where he thinks they need to go. If you ever watch a rocket launch to the moon or Mars, there's this takeoff. And the first time I saw it, I got a little nervous because the bottom part fell off. Have you seen that part? But here's what that bottom part that falls out. It's a rocket booster that breaks the gravitational pull. It fights the gravity to get this rocket out of gravity so it can go where it needs to go. And once it's done its job, it falls away. Generosity is the rocket launcher that breaks the gravitational pull of greed. When I choose generosity, it breaks that gravitational pull of my life. Everything around us says more, more, more. Now, if the mark of greed is more, the mark of generosity is enough. I have enough. Can you say that? I have enough. Some of you choked. Some of you didn't say it at all. I have enough. Generosity leads us 
to that place of this is enough. Let's go back to the opening verse from Ecclesiastes 5. Here's what Solomon wrote. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. But greed is overcome by generosity. And here's what it looks like. I learn how to be content. Paul in his first letter to Timothy lays that out very clearly when he says, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and we cannot take anything out of it. Reminds us how temporary stuff is, things are, money is. If we have food and clothing with these, we will be content for the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say money is the root of all evil. No, I think God wants to bless us. He wants to provide for us. We work hard to have that money. But here's what he says. The root of greed is the love of money. Paul goes on to say in Philippians 4, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I've learned to be what? Content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Amen? Time for the 10 finger exercise. Let's do it together. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Again, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, I know there's many wonderful applications to that scripture, but the context of this verse is when it comes to being content. I can be content through Christ who strengthens me. It really takes the strength of God to be content. Because some of us are like, oh, just a little more, just a little more. If I just got that raise, if I got that new job, if, if somebody died and left me an inheritance, you know, it would be so nice. But this passage is saying the result of generosity comes from when I feel like, okay, God, I'm content. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Let me just say this over all of you. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Why? Because God said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Let's give him thanks and praise for this. There's a guy you've probably heard from who lived, who lived a couple miles south of us. William Randolph Hearst. You, maybe you've been to Hearst Castle. It's a beautiful thing. The guy had tons of money, and one of his hobbies was collecting art. He loved beautiful pieces of art, and he loved to collect them and put them. If you've ever been to his house, you've seen these gorgeous paintings and these big gold frames. And one day he was looking through a book, and he saw a picture of a painting. And the minute he saw that, this is beautiful. I want this. So he called his agent, and he said, Here's this painting by this artist. I want it. Find it for me. So the guy's like, I'll go looking. And for three months, he searched Europe and Asia and North America. And he went everywhere. And finally, after three months, he showed up at Mr. Hearst's 
castle and he said, I found the painting. And Mr. Hurst like, great, where is it? How much does it cost? When can I get it? And he said, it's been in your warehouse in a box for seven years. <laughs> See, that's what greed does. We don't realize the riches we have because we're so busy looking for more and more and more. That's why he says, be content. When we are content, we can be generous. And if we're not being generous, it's because we're not content. Here's a great line. The wealthiest person is not the one who has the most, but the one who needs the least. Amen? The reality is, if you interviewed every person in the world, there are three billion people in the world who make less than $2 a day. If they, you ask them who's rich, they'd point to you. This isn't about how much you have. It's about, Lord, don't let greed have its grip on my life. So just as the fruit of greed is marked by wanting more because we're so worried because we're sinner ourselves, when we go to the fruit of generosity and enough, here's the whole point. The source of doing that is in faith because we're rooted in God. When I am rooted in God, I have faith in him, I am content with what I have, and I can be generous. So, if you're not being generous, guess where you're rooted? If you're not content, guess where you're rooted? Again, greed isn't just for the guy who makes more than we do, who has something we wish we had. This isn't a message about, oh, I need to judge those people because they have that and they do that and they go there. No, no, no. This is about God speaking to each of our hearts. Now, the classic story of responding in the opposite, choosing the opposite response, comes from a story or a command that Paul gives in Ephesians chapter four. And here's what he says. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer. So stop stealing, stop taking, stop being greedy, but instead work. Do something useful with their own hands that they may have something to give, to share, to be generous with to those in need. Here's what he says. If you wanna know if a thief has been recuperated, he starts being generous. What is that? The opposite. I was greedy, now I'm generous. One time I got greatly rebuked over this. While worship was going on, I went to visit our children's ministry. And I'm so grateful. Many of you are volunteers and serve our kids. We have a great team over there. Let's hear for children's ministry. They're, in, they're investing in the next generation. But one day I was in the nursery and there was this little girl. She was so cute. And she came up to me. She had these beautiful, colorful barrettes all in her hair. And I went, oh, sweetheart, I love your barrettes. She looked up at me, put her hand on her hip and said, we love people. We like things. We love people, we like things. That really is the spirit of greed. I love things, things, more, more, greed, greed, greed. That's why Jesus says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed because life does not consist 
and the abundance of possessions. So I've got some questions for you. Am I greedy? Well, first, and hopefully this isn't any of you, but perhaps it is, is your means of obtaining money illegal or immoral? But let me take a little further. Are you content? Are you content with where you are? Do you complain more than you give thanks? Are you more concerned about your cash than your character? Is your financial life up, but your spiritual life is down? Do you treat people with money better than people without money? Is your life, I, I, me, my, mine, I will, I did, I will, this is. Those are all signs that the spirit of greed is working in us. That's why he says, watch out. Now, not only is this the American idol, it's particularly a principality of power here in the Bay Area. Because here's how spirits rule in a community. The actions of the people there invite that work of the enemy to dominate that community. How did people get here? Now, maybe you didn't, and maybe your family didn't. Where do you think the name 49ers came from? It was the gold rush. Everybody came to NorCal to get rich, to make money, to find gold, more, more, more. How do you think all of our growth happened in the 80s and 90s? Dot coms, IT, people coming to get rich, to make it, to have money. People came here out of greed. That's what dominates this. And yet what God calls us to is not just to invest in our earthly portfolio, but our eternal portfolio. You're going to get to heaven and God's going to like, oh, you didn't invest anything up here. You're like, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. Now you know. Here's the thing. If we want to defeat greed in our own life, if we want to defeat the principality of greed in our Northern California area, just like David, there's a sling, and I got five stones here that we can pick up to defeat greed. Now, remind me, what's the opposite response to greed? We choose generosity as a means to defeat greed in our own life. Because you know what? A greedy person has a hard time giving. So here's what I'm gonna call you to. There's five possible stones. The first stone is this. If you don't give at all, just start to give something. Just say, God, I'm gonna to choose to give, to defeat greed in my life. Or maybe if you every once in a while give randomly, every once in a while like, oh, I'll throw a five in or a one or whatever. Begin to give regularly. Regularly given breaks greed in our community and breaks greed in you. And if you're a regular giver, maybe it's time to consider a percentage. You know, I ought to give a percentage of what I have, recognizing this belongs to God. And if you're giving a percentage, maybe it's time to move it up to one-tenth, which is what the Bible calls us to do, to give our 10%, our tithe. And if you are tithing, it's not about how little we can get away with giving. It's God, how generous can I be to defeat this greed? And if you're already a tither, 
That's why we take offerings from time to time. That's why there's great nonprofits out there we can invest in, great things we can do to take care of reaching out and scholarships and other things. You can pick up a stone to defeat greed by taking your greed away and choosing generosity. Deuteronomy 14 tells us why we tithe. It says the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. That's our first choice. That's what we come to. Now, I'm gonna invite my friend Josiah to come out and join you here on the platform. Josiah, James, Eliabardo, Cassell. Hey, Josiah. Dude, good to see you. Yeah, you got your grandma honey's got you, huh? Yeah, look at you. It's so good to see you. Now, Josiah here is part of our church family. He was just in the nursery. Yeah, weren't you? Can you wave to everybody out there? Here, give them a wave. Yeah, hey. <laughs> see, if you work in our children's ministry, you get to hang out with kids like this all the time. This guy's been prayed for a lot. His grandma, honey, works here at the church. His grandpa works here. His mom is part of our children's ministry program. His aunt works here. His uncle works here. They all work here. Maybe one day you will too. Yeah. <laughs> when you're around a little kid and you start to pray for them, what is it you really want for a child? Oh, I hope one day you'll have a closet full of shoes. <laughs> or if it's a little girl, I hope one day you'll have lots of purses, maybe even a Fendi or Gucci one. <laughs> your prayer for a child is not, I hope you have the biggest house on your block. I hope you have the shiniest car in the neighborhood. No, that's not what we pray, is it? No, when we pray for these guys, we pray for them to find God's purpose and to fulfill the plan God had for them and to grow up. <laughs> to grow up, to know Jesus, to be like him. Isn't that what we pray for? And isn't that what we really ought to be longing for ourselves? Not more shoes and more purses and more vacation spots and more frequent flyer miles and more phone apps and more, 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 more. Again, God's not against money. He's not against things. He just doesn't want it to be your idol. And in the same way we pray for these little guys <laughs> and we pray for God's best for them, that's what we want for you. In fact, I'm gonna invite you to stand with me and I'm gonna pray over you and over Josiah. Yeah. Lord Jesus, thank you for every person here every person who can hear my voice, every person around campus or watching online, you have a plan for them. And Lord, we recognize that it's so easy for us to center ourselves in me and what I want and what I need. But Lord, center us in you this day. We release greed. We release more, more, more. We release worry. We release that me-centered life and ask for you to be center. Lord, I pray blessing upon your people, blessing upon Josiah, strengthen him, encourage him. May your hand be upon him in a great way. May your hand be upon each one of us to fulfill your destiny and purpose and to understand that we are at the source of what we have. And what we have is temporary, but we want to invest in what's eternal. We are never more like you than when we give because you so love the world you gave and you give and give and give out of your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. 
And I just pray, Lord, that you would bless us so we can be a blessing. You want to raise our standard of giving. You want to release generosity among us. You want greed to be broken in us, in this community. And we choose to respond to the opposite, to let your heart of generosity work through us. Bless your people. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen and amen. Yeah, you're so good. You want to give everybody a bye-bye? Yeah, say bye-bye. Okay, let me give you back to your grandma, honey. There you go. Let's hear it for Josiah. We've been talking about more in 2024. Here's my admonition from this text. Give more in 2024. And God will bless you. He will strengthen you. He will watch over you. I don't know which rock you're supposed to pick up, whether you're, what your step of faith is, but the ushers will be at the doors afterwards. You can go online, get our app, drop it by the office, but be generous and break that greed. If you need prayer following service, our prayer team will be here in the front and in the amphitheater. They love to pray with you and pray for you. If you've not yet connected somewhere here at Cathedral of Faith, next weekend we begin a new course called Connecting at Cathedral that'll help you know how to do that. It's a great course that you'll enjoy. Take a look at this. We have courses on uh, Colossians. We have courses through all kinds of places for you to grow. Make sure you take hold of that. Lord, bless your people with favor, with finances, with strength, with wisdom, and bless them that you will be enough. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. God bless you. We love you.